Dos papás dedicados al amor, la risa y los empacadores de Green Bay. Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. Two dads talking love, life, dedicated to the Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Verde y amarillo hasta la muerte. They've, they've still got school. I know your kids are out of school. My, mine are out. Okay, so my daughter's been out of school now for like a week, week and a half or something. Yep. Yep. And uh, my son still got like set six more days, something like that. But see, they don't go back until September 4th. See, my kids start. Yeah, that's my kids just finished last week was Monday was their first day of vacation. But they start August third or like the first week in august they start yeah before yeah but they're gone but i think that i think that also has to do with remember you were talking about how the sun up here is different right mm -hmm. and how it, it doesn't go down until almost 11 o'clock and then it's up at like five in the morning so maybe that's the whole premise behind them getting july and august off where you get june and july off right Yeah, it would be nice. It used to be September start dates, but with COVID, what they did is they give them, it used to just be, you know, summer break and then Christmas break and then spring break and just the holidays. But with COVID to try to make up days, what they did is they did like a fall two week break and a spring two week break plus summer. So they kind of, the, the two additional weeks that they get in the fall and the spring, um, are taken away from their summer vacation. So they get basically six weeks instead of whatever, 10 weeks in the summer. And yeah, I mean, it's, it, I'm sure it has to do with daylight savings, which I hope they do away with, man. It's so stupid. Like we're not at wartime. We don't need extra daylight time to work. Like just keep everybody on the same time and it should be fine. Other than NFL games on the East coast being at nine o'clock at night. Right. But I'd much rather watch my game at, whatever at eight o'clock or six o'clock whatever time it falls and let everybody watch it so they're not staying up late i don't care whatever it doesn't matter to me so so if you are a packer shareholder there is a vote by mail ballot as the uh, board of directors recommends uh, all items below simply sign date and uh, return your proxy card this is the board of directors recommends a vote for all nominees election of directors nominees of the board of directors to serve 
in the class whose term expires in 2025. There are 16 of them. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll rattle them off quick. A, Ave Bay, uh, Catherine Burgess, Thomas Cardella, James Christensen, Michael Daniels, Michael Daniels, oh, you got to go with him. Robin Davis, uh, Craig Dickman, just because his last name is Dickman, that's the guy I'd vote for. Edgar Garcia. Oh, <laughs> wow. Uh, Robin Gibson, uh, Johnny Gray, Jeffrey Jorez, uh, David Kohler, uh, Carl Schmidt, Christine Wolski, Mark Rourke, and Kurt Voss. So uh, if you guys are uh, a shareholder, you would have gotten one of these. Uh, Alex Brown sent me, tell me who the heck I should vote for. I don't know any of these guys. And I said, you can't go wrong with a name like Johnny Gray. It sounds a lot like regular politics, right? Where you just kind of pick the best name and that's who you go with. So just go with the best name. If I don't have, <clears throat> if I don't have uh, somebody that I'm going with, then I go with the coolest name. Absolutely. That's how it, is. That's that's how how it, it goes, right? That's how it goes. Sometimes there's so many votes. I know in the States, you guys vote an awful lot. In Canada, I wish we voted just a little bit more. There's a few things I'd like them to vote for. Uh, the Crown attorneys, those would be your district attorneys in the States, and the judges, I would love for them to be uh, voted for up here. Because every now and then, it's like, uh, this guy uh, got drunk and uh, you know killed three people, almost ran over 11, and they give him like one year. You know, and I mean, I uh, we set are beyond outraged. Right? Just set term limits on this type of stuff, but yeah. yeah, I I am just so done with all of politics, man. Both sides. I've got some stuff for you here. Some Packers. Let's do it. You know, it is the off season, as usual, and there's not much to find. But I dug up an article by uh, Jack Cruz um, from January 13th which is right at the end of the season, right after they finished up, because I've been looking at, I keep looking at chinks in the armor, Matt, is what I'm trying to do to really dive in to see where we really want to see some improvement, maybe the free agents. And I know a lot of people are talking about what free agents are available, which is why we're not going to talk about that. Um, and there's some really telling stats in this article, both good and bad, that I'm going to run by you, and you tell me what you think of these. So the first thing is, I think everybody's starting to jump on board with my, with my stat, my, my release time stat. Everybody's starting to like that, apparently, because the first stat right off the, right off the hop is 2.59 seconds, right? So the time it took on average from snap to throw for Aaron Rodgers in 2021, oh, 2.5. I thought, thought 2.59 was uh, the time that I lasted when I was 18. No, that <laughs> well, divide that by two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carry the one. Carry the one. <laughs> yeah, There's, I get it. There is what helped our offensive line last year, right? As makeshift as it was in starting nine different starters, that two point five nine seconds. In to put that into reference, the fastest release time recorded the entire season was actually by Tom Brady against the Eagles in two point one two seconds. He averaged during that game. Wow. Um, so it's quick decisions. I anticipate a lot of this when we see the offense for the Packers. I have a feeling we're going to keep looking at this stat and seeing, is he releasing the ball quickly? Is he taking that first read? Is he hitting those screen plays? I want right. to place a bet. All right. I want to place a bet with you. 2.49. 2.49 is my number over or under for his average for the season. Ooh, nice. 
I'm going to say over. I think he'll be right at that 2.59. And we're talking tenths of a second here, but I think he will be over. And, but See, that's and exactly. I think he's going to be under. I think he's going to be like 2.21. I think it's going to be that much faster because it's he doesn't have Devontae trying to scheme open, right? Yeah, and they were, you know, there were some articles talking about how accurate he was um, when throwing to Devontae Adams. And the accuracy component is very different than taking that first read, right? Because, and we'll get into this down, that there's actually some good stats here on the wide receivers as well that we can hit up on that just with his release time and then translating that to the wide receivers. Obviously, MBS is gone and obviously Devontae Adams is gone. So who were those next guys in line? But the next stat, we'll move to the defensive line, um, which we obviously addressed between the linebackers and what we've done in the draft. And it was 249 total pressures that we created by Rashawn Gary, who had 81. Kenny Clark had 64. Preston Smith had 62. And Dean Lowry, who might be a cap casualty, right, at 42. So the Packers were the only team in the NFL with two interior rushers producing at least 40 pressures and two edge rushers producing at least 60 pressures. So... That's like 14 pressures a game. Now, your offense, what do they get? An average of 40 plays in a game? 40 to 70 like plays. So a fast run offense is right around 70 plays. An average offense is it like between 40. Okay. Let's, let's call it 50. So 50, 50 times they ran a play and only 14 times did we get pressure. 25% of the time. That's not bad, man. If you think of first and so three downs. Right. So you think we should have a higher number? Way higher. Okay. I think Gary alone is going to carry that number even higher. But I think now with Devontae Wyatt, Reed, Walker, you know, with a lot of these guys, especially with the defensive line, I bet you we're going to be a lot higher than that. I bet you we're going to be in the 300s. NFL team. So I'm going to to see how many hurries – on average. So average hurries. I'm not asking for rush attempts. What the fuck does rush attempts have to do? Um, opposition and defense. It's we're right in there, man. So looking at the stats here, this is from uh pro football reference. Average hurries per game is 12. So 12 yeah. hurries per game we is need, when it and we, we were need to be like we need to be like 18. Don't you think that's what we're going to be seeing though? Because again, we saw this in, in mandatory mini camp where they started moving Rashawn inside. We're going to have two big boys on the middle. So Kenny Clark doesn't get doubled up. And then you're going to have Preston and Wyatt on the edges. I do anticipate more pressures. All right. So let's do this. 249 over under over over. Right. I'm going to say three, one, three. All right, we got to write these down because we'll we'll look at this. Three again. one three three hundred thirteen pressures this year. Because if you remember correctly, the first six games of the year we were constantly yelling, "Where's the pressure? Where's the pressure?" Right? Why aren't we dialing up more pressure? Why are we only sending three? Why are we only sending four? They're blocking with seven, and we're sending four, and we're wondering why we're not getting home. Come on. For sure, for sure. All right, hold on just a second. Let me pull up the next one. Go. So, Miss Fire Podcast. Bah, bah, bah. 
All right. <laughs> Missed tackles, buddy. Missed tackles. So here's Ooh. a telling one. And as sure-handed as we thought that they were, right? We always felt that they were sure tacklers. 93 missed tackles for a total amount on the Packers defense over the 17 games. The group had 132 over 60. That's like four. That's four. like four missed tackles a game. That's yep. not bad. No, they improved from 132 in 16 games the season before. So the sure-handedness is there. And they were sec- the second best tackling grade overall in 2021. Devondre Campbell only missed four tackles and led all linebackers with a 2.9 missed tackle percentage. So yeah, great improvement, right? So I'm curious if those missed tackles, and I might have to ask um, – I, I, I'd li- I'm curious to see if those are on the outside of the numbers or inside the numbers of the tackles, because the 4.7 yards per carry that we allow, is that on the outside or on the inside? Cause Devondre is a good line. Well, they consider a missed tackle when the guy sheds the tackle too. Right. So you're talking about four times in an entire game on average that they did that where the receiver caught and then made the first guy miss or the running back made the first guy miss, right? So that's pretty good. Do I think it could, it obviously it could get better. Obviously it could. What's my, what's my over under this year? Let's just keep it at 93. Let's keep the number from last year and do over under on the numbers from last year. So over okay. under missed tackles, 93 tackles in 17 games, same. Under, under. All right, I'll take the over. Yeah, but I mean, when I talk under, I mean like ninety. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, it'll be under, but it, it, it'll be negligible. Yeah, I mean, Campbell's only missing less than three. Four tackles. in an entire, in an entire. Insane. Absolutely. That's ridiculous. He's like one of those uh, aliens from Alien. Like as soon as he gets attached, gah! And you know, I was <laughs> I was watching the. I was watching a game yesterday because they, they're doing all these reruns, the player choice highlight games. And they had the Eagles playing against the Cowboys in that overtime game two years ago. And right off the bat, interception, Rizul Douglas. How that guy bounced around and ended up on a, from a Super Bowl winning team the following year being on that same team being cut, picked up by Arizona, ending up on the practice squad. How, how do teams not see something like that, man? Like I saw it and I was like, he read it perfectly, undercut it. He was, you know, he was covering the tight end, but was always looking in the backfield and just completely reacted immediately to the quarterback going to the middle for a little slant route. And he just cut it off and took it to the and, and took it just right out of the air. It's like, how do you not see that and keep that on your team and give the guy the opportunity? The Packers have been fantastic at picking up these guys, right? Just kind of seeing flashes and developing them. Same thing with Devondre Campbell, Razul Douglas. And it's so huge, man. I mean, it, it's so cool to see. Devondre Campbell has got to be the pickup of the century. For sure, man. I mean, he's the best linebacker we've had in 15 years. How? I mean, I, I would I would now put Campbell up there with the signing of White, the signing of Woodson, and now the signing of Campbell. You know, and if Campbell just has an average year this year, well worth it. Well worth every single penny. I mean, this guy is a dog. And like you said, he missed four tackles all game. He plays middle. He doesn't play on an edge or anything. He plays middle. They're running right at him constantly. And especially with our 4.7 yards per carry that we allow. 
And that's what I like about him because it's not turning into, you know, Chris Barnes is, a, is very good in the open field, but the problem is that he was letting guys get six, seven, eight yards and then would make the tackle. This dude's meeting him at the line and maybe being carried a little bit for a yard or two, but he's stopping them, right? Like, it, well, and, and Chris well, can't cover my grandma. Yeah. You know? that's, Chris can't cover my grandma. I like Chris Barnes, and I'm a Chris Barnes fan, but let's be serious. He can't cover my grandma, right? It, 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 at least Campbell is out there getting picks and coverage, and he's on his guy, right? If that guy catches, he's not going far. He's taking yeah. a half step, and Campbell takes him down. Like, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I like Chris Barnes. I think Quay Walker, Quay is the way. There you go. Oh. Huh? Sway. Sway. That's Sway his name. Quay Walker. Sway Quay Walker. Sway Quay Walker. Ah, uh, hello, Mr. Walker. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mr. Sway. Here's where I anticipate we're going to see a drastic change in how we see this offensive run. So 1,368 yards is the number. That is the amount the Packers rushed for after first contact in 2021, right? So the Packers rushed for 1,900 total yards. We know that A.J. Dillon led the charge in terms of rushing. Um, But the talents of the running backs produced – a huge chunk of this, obviously overall, the Packers ranked 23rd in our run ball blocking grade, which is what you alluded to a couple pods ago about just, you know, getting hit behind the line or at the line and having to carry guys, but both AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones averaged 3.18 yards after first contact overall runners forced 81 missed tackles. Well, and you know, Dylan, Dylan is probably 70 of those 81. Dylan was constantly getting hit in the back and still coming out three, four yards ahead. Right. Whereas Jones, Jones, it's nice to see Jones get the ball in space, but he needs to be moving in space. He can't be standing still. And a lot of the times they hit him on these ones where he's standing still and the DB or the linebacker, whoever's covering him can just tee off. And that's, yeah, you can't do that with Jones. Jones has got to be moving. Well, and to your point with that, Aaron Jones had eight touchdowns receiving, which is more than his rushing touchdowns. Why? Because they're going to split him out wide. He was the number two wide receiver on this team. And we're going to continue to see that. So this is specific yards after contact, I'm assuming. And these are rushing yards, right? Not um, like yak, right? The yards after. This is specific to rushing yards. We talked about this again. I think we talked about this yesterday and and how Aaron Rodgers under pressure is not as good. Um, Here's his clean pocket stats. So 123.7 was his uh, QB rating from a clean pocket. Again, he led all qualified quarterbacks in this statistic, um, which means anybody who played a game and had basically any type of snap at some point he led every single quarterback in that category overall he completed 77 percent of his passes averaged over 8.5 yards per attempt and threw 29 touchdown passes and one interception from the clean pocket so rogers under pressure is just 26 percent of his dropbacks um the third lowest among quarterbacks so he's not feeling pressure he's feeling pressure one out of every four throws that he drops back to throw uh, pretty good, but clean pocket versus a run for your life scramble pocket. He's not, 
he's not the Tom Brady that manipulates the pocket and stays in the pocket. He has a tendency to be very good at escaping the pocket and then buying some time. But that offensive line, again, I think this all is very telling in terms of why they addressed offensive line, why they addressed um, our line and our linebacker position in the draft. These are really telling stats. I mean, because Aaron Rodgers staying clean, staying healthy is obviously a priority. And on the defensive side, it's beefing up and making sure that we have sure-handed tacklers that can get to the ball and stop that, that offensive player from gaining any additional yards. Yep. All right. Next stat. Next stat. Next stat. Explicit. 17 drops. That is all the Packers had in the entire season. 17 games. MVS had seven. MVS actually had zero. What? Oh, because he was overthrown. He didn't drop him. Can't catch him if you can't, if you don't get under him. Balls is where you get into it. So of the targets that he had, he had 114 targets. Of those, 40 of those were uncatchable, which means they were kind of just throw it away or just not. So they were not credited to him as drops. Randall Cobb and Marquez and Mercedes were the three that had zero drops. Aaron Jones had four drops and Alan Lazard had three drops. So Devontae Adams had only four on 166 targets. But again, you know, 17 is the total number of drop passes. Pretty good, man. Um, And... You know, MBS is gone. Devontae's gone. But Alan Lazard, over the course of the games that he played three, Aaron Jones being used as much as he is out of the backfield, four, A.J. Dillon, zero drops. I know. A.J. Dillon is the claw. A.J. Dillon is the claw. He just goes up there and snatches it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Anywhere. The rumbling, tumbling, bumbling, stumbling. That's a giant man. Hey, quick question. Yeah. Right now in their prime, A.J. Dillon or Eddie Lacy? Well, I'll take Eddie Lacy, man. Yeah, I would take Eddie Lacy, too, because he can take over a game. Dude, that guy was, in his prime, the most bruising back. He was Marshawn Lynch style, you know, and Favre was begging for Lynch, and we never got him, and, and we were able to get Eddie Lacy, and... Yeah, you, you see the highlights of that, dude. You see a lot on Twitter. People are kind of asking, you remember this guy? You remember this guy? Of course we remember this guy. That guy was by far the most bruising back I think we've ever had. But A.J. Dillon, young career. Let's see. He hasn't hit his peak yet, man. I mean, they're only using him 60% of the time, right? Like Eddie Lacy, yeah. the bell cow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was awesome. He was awesome. He was, he was stupendous. Stupendous. Right. Here's my favorite stat and where I think because we still ended up upgrading our cornerback position last year. And this is without Jair Alexander playing last year. Right. So having Jair back is going to even make this better. But 28, the number of forced incompletions or interceptions by Packers, cornerbacks, Eric Stokes and Razul Douglas, just between both of them had 28 forced incompletions. Yeah. Stokes is a Stokes is a stud. I'm still stoked on Stokes. And now he's going to see the number twos? <laughs> Seriously? He's not going to have to go up against the number ones on an island. He's going to have help, inside help with Douglas. And he's on a number two. 
Fuck, he's going to be back there. He's going to develop a smoking habit. He's just going to be back there smoking a cigarette the whole game because they ain't throwing that way. There's no way. <laughs> so here's the bet on this one. Together, they gave up a passer rating below 70 when targeted in coverage, providing a big reason why the Packers defense played well despite not having Jair Alexander. Kevin King and Chandon Sullivan only forced 11 incompletions or interceptions. So really, this is a moot point at this point, right? 28 was Rizul Douglas and Stokes. Do you believe that between Jair, Stokes and Douglas, when being targeted, average at the end of the year, below or above a 70 passer rating for quarterbacks? Oh, way below. Way below. Way below. It's different when all three are out there because then you go up against their wide receivers and you cancel out the first three. And then it's like, okay, who are you going to throw to now? Bobby Jr., who's been on the bench all season? You got to pull him out and come four or five wide. Right? Oh, and then a lot of screen passes and trying to catch with the more sure-handed tackling team like this and just try to get the ball out quickly. And then with the pressure in your face, good God, man. Like, I, I, I mean, you want, to, you want to pick on Jair? That's a mistake. You want to start using your number two and then pick on Stokes? Like, the only way you're really going to – get really any success is by scheming your number one to be on Douglas or Campbell and then shoot your shot. But I mean, Douglas is going to make you pay. He's going to pick you off or he's going to get you a pick six. So like we were talking about this before I said, listen, they're going to work on one wide receiver and then his numbers Stokes numbers are going to be ridiculous. Come halfway point of the season, he'll have like six or seven picks or something. And then they'll just stop throwing his way. They just won't go there anymore. Right. And they'll have to start going up against Jair or scheming something open where Douglas or, you know, Preston Smith is running the seam route against a wide receiver, some stupid shit like that, because you and it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard because Douglas, and again, and seeing this Eagles game, because again, I started watching, I, I want to see what it is that we have. Where are the chinks? And I'm not finding them because the big improvement of Rizul Douglas is exactly what he did in that Eagles game where he was covering the tight end, but he's reading the quarterback and he's playing off of that tight end and coming back and undercutting that second slot receiver, that second read, that slot receiver and taking it to the house he did it last year a couple times it's pretty amazing that we've got this cornerback group and I agree with you I anticipate I guess I'll have to take the over because you took the under um on that 70 passer rating but I think you're going to be right and I'll I'll just go ahead and I'll take a loss for the team on that one today's about to cost me this is TJ Williams out of Las Vegas Nevada this is Matt coming to you from Cincinnati. Hey friends, this is Colton Moore from Central Illinois. This is the Macho Man Randy Savage. This is Shelly from Gwen, Michigan. Bales of Hay, and I'm from Kansas City. Hey, this is Jamie Cheesebutt. I'm from LA, California. Hey everyone, this is Ella from Southern Cali. This is Nebels from Chicago, Illinois, and you are listening to Packers Without Borders, the finest podcast in all the land. Thank you for listening to Packers Without Borders. You can catch us on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on patreon.com front slash Packers Without Borders for some exclusive content behind the scenes. Check out our merchandise on TeePublic, Packers Without Borders. Peace. Go Pack Go. Go.
inferior, ultimate, and all that good shit. I'm the original Asiatic, acrobatic, there you have it. I get dramatic, creating drama when I'm on the scene. And I'm Matt and Bruce. Matt and Bruce. Bruce and Matt. Bruce and Matt. Bruce and Matt. Matt and Bruce. Bruce and Matt. Matt and Bruce. Bruce and Matt. Bruce and Matt. Matt and Bruce. Matt and Bruce. Matt and Bruce. Bruce and Matt. Packers without borders. Packers without borders. Packers without borders. Packers without borders. You are listening to my dad and his friend Bruce on Packers without borders. All right. So if. If I take the over, which I am, and you take the under on that, that's going to be a wash. So I'll just take the loss, buddy. Just like I said, I'll just take the loss on that one. All right. That sounds good. All right. Last stat that I have for you, and this is what really separates Aaron Rodgers. When they start trying to compare Kirk Cousins or – a what who else man uh stafford stafford is pretty good in this category too but 27 is the number of big time throws right like aaron Rodgers, and this is what he does he takes his shots and hopefully the timing with watkins and watson on the outside uh lazard that big body guy um but big time throws by aaron Rodgers. he threw 20 or more yards in the air is basically what is considered a big time throw he had 40 in 2020 his number of touchdown passes on deep balls fell though from 14 in 2020 to just seven in 2021 obviously mbs missed a lot of games last year didn't have that deep threat but a lot of it again was accuracy issues right not really hitting mvs in stride the way he should have and and i'm hoping to see an improvement with that with aaron Rodgers. so 27 big time throws is what he had he had 40 in 2020 are you taking the over or the under with this receiving group in big time throws by aaron Rodgers? over so you're anticipating they're going to push the ball down the field more this year without these guys i think watson and dobbs are going to show the league a little something interesting yeah. yeah i think it's i think we're gonna lull these guys to sleep using jones and dylan and lull them into that false sense of and then over the top and then lull them into the false and then over the top just like that those throws. that's the thing right like the over the top we've been doing that he didn't now. last year because he was no. sunshining his taint and putting a crystal up his ass but this year he's got himself a witch and she made the golden apple and he took a bite of it and I think he starts hitting those. I remember he overthrew MVS about 40 times. He did. I mean, and a lot of it was the whole last dance thing. And, and alluding to that again is Devonte Adams walks away as the touchdown leader, reception leader, yard leader, everything for the Packers that he needed to do to cement himself before he left the Packers. So we know that's why he, he made sure that his buddy walked away from the Packers so he can come back at some point, retire Packer with those records. Cause it's going to be tough to beat those for a couple years, at least. Right. I mean, Devonte Adams is all right. So who is the best wide receiver to ever put on the green and gold? Sterling Sharp. Why isn't he in the hall of fame man? Because of his injuries and because voters are fucking dickheads. I agree. Sterling I Sharp. I Two, agree. Two more years, and Sterling Sharp would have numbers that would be unattainable. Un- unattainable. It's 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 just a damn shame. You know, we I had this conversation with a guy the other day. I said, you know, is Rob Gronkowski a Hall of Fame tight end? 
And I said, I, I think he is. He's first ballot, dude. He just like Tony Gonzalez, when he came into the league and just completely changed the position. I mean, tight ends were blocking in line, put your head down. But let, let me ask you this. Yeah. If Gronkowski doesn't win a Super Bowl ever, is he a Hall of Fame court, a tight end? I do, because I, I genuinely believe that he changed the position. For the position he played at tight end, what he did as a, as a wide receiver, basically, right? I mean, he was the number one target, just like Travis Kelsey is for Pat Mahomes and the way that they have completely changed the game. Those guys, think of in, in the history of the NFL, tight ends that were legit offensive weapons – I mean, going back to, again, you've got Tony Gonzalez, Jimmy Graham in his heyday was in that conversation, but fell off of a cliff. Gronk never fought, fell off of a cliff, dude. Now, right now, you've got Waller, Andrew. But Gronk always played with Tom Brady. Kittle. That's true. But I don't think that Tom – so you think Tom Brady made Gronk? Maybe. I don't know. I, I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, I, man. Twenty twenty-seven. That dude. I think he should make the Hall of Fame. I'm. I, I do, but I just think that if 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 we're going to really take his full merits, and we're going to say it doesn't matter if he wins a Super Bowl, it doesn't matter if he's got Tom Brady. Well, then Sterling Sharp should be in there. Period. Period. And they go, "Oh, his body of work is too small." You can't fault the guy for giving the game everything, everything. Here, let, let me read this, because um, I was looking, I obviously looked up the difference between Sterling Sharp and Devontae Adams, right? So this is not the latest of information, but it's their career stats close enough, right? Yeah. So here is Sterling Sharp. He played from 1988 to 1994, so a lot of people probably didn't even see him play to understand why we were picking Sterling The first Sharp. four years, he didn't have a quarterback. Yeah. Exactly. So Where Devontae has yeah. always had a quarterback. That's true. So had injuries not cut Sharp's career short, there's a little doubt that he would be higher on this list. They had him at number four on this list. Uh, he was named to the Packers Hall of Fame in 2002, but has not seen the Hall of Fame for the NFL, which is honestly a travesty. And I want to keep pushing this narrative until we, I don't know, I mean, hell, all 12. He's got to get in. That's ridiculous. got to get in. That's man. ridiculous. Seven seasons, all with the Packers, finished with 595 catches, 8,134 yards, and 65 touchdowns. He was a first-round pick out of South Carolina. I mean, he was named to the Pro Bowl five times in seven years. He was All-Pro three times, and he was just a different a different cat. He was one of those first big-body receivers, right? Not, not those smaller, shifty guys, the – the Jerry Rices of the world were also playing, you know, but then he suffered that injury in 1994 and never came back. But I mean, to, to make five Pro Bowls in seven years, three all-time Pro Bowls, have over 8,000 yards, 565 catches. I mean, you, you just think. Can you that. imagine if he played just four more years, just four more, when Brett Favre was leading the, MV, the, the league, three MVPs in a row, and then won the Super Bowl, and then went back the next year. They don't lose that game against Denver. They blow Denver out of the water. And they blow everyone else out of the water. He was just starting to get going with Favre. He was just getting it going. We were so excited. We were like, man, Favre is going to light it up with Sterling Sharp. And, and poor Sterling, him. man. Yeah. 
And look, and the good thing is that Devontae Adams also seven years as well, right? So same number of years played, Fresno State star, five straight Pro Bowls from 2017 to 2021. He was named All-Pro in 2020 and 2021. So if Devontae Adams is going to make the Hall of Fame, explain to me why Sterling Sharp is not. Because stats-wise, everything is pretty much identical to Sterling Sharp. And Sterling Sharp really did it with a quarterback for two of his seven years, right? Yeah. I mean, or yeah. three years. Let's say, what was it, 92, 93, 94. So his first four years were... <laughs> Magic. The jugs machine. The magic. jugs machine. The magic man. Ah, don't knock the magic man. But there's no comparing. There's, there's no comparing. No. One's a Hall of Fame, Super Bowl winning, three-time MVP. And the other one is Don Mikowski. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's different. That's like comparing me to Martha Stewart, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Gordon Ramsay. It's just different. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a different smell. All right. Speaking of smells, today. speaking of smells. So Monday was an anniversary episode. We had to do our thing, but I've got a very nice grilling uh, recipe for you, Matt. Let's do it. All right. This is chicken kebabs or chicken sulvaki. Um, that I do. It is really good. I love putting chicken on skewers really quick and easy to make. Again, I am all about quick, feed the family with some really good healthy food. A lot of times these chicken kebabs um, are by far. So it, it's a Greek street food is basically what it is. Obviously kebabs, everybody knows that kebabs are, are that. So I'm going to throw in my recipe for the tzatziki sauce that I make as well. Do you call them kebabarans? Okay, oh, sorry. Kebabababababaran, kebabababababaran. Yeah. Babaran. Okay, cool. All right, here we go. So the first thing you need to do here is this is four servings, by the way. Prep time is literally 15 minutes, but just like you do with your meat, um, you want to leave it marinating prior to using it. You're going to make me laugh with those faces you're making as I say, let the meat marinate. I was just wondering what you were talking about when you said, what do I, what I do with my meat? <laughs> you always need to let your meat marinate. But prep time is 15 minutes. Total cook time is an hour and five minutes on this. This serves four people. So obviously multiply up if you need to multiply on it. I take a pound and a half of boneless and skinless chicken breasts. Sometimes you can leave the skin on there, but you want to cut it up into about one or two inch cubes, depending on how thick you want, how thick the breasts are. I do do it sometimes with the skin on because you're grilling it. And you just, when you start grilling those, you flip them on, on the skin side first and get that nice crunch on there. But if you're not interested in the skin, you can have them completely skinless. I use kosher salt. Kosher salt is my favorite salt for prepping because it is not extremely salty. So you're, so you can add, um, whatever rub you want on add on there and add your salt that way. Really what the kosher salt does is break down the meat a little bit and it's nice thick crystals of it, but kosher salt, ground black, red, black pepper. I like gr grinding it. I have a grinder for my pepper. I don't like the pepper stuff. It's too small. It's too concentrated. So nice, big chunks with everything is the way I like to do it. 
You need extra virgin olive oil. The reason I like olive oil, avocado oil works pretty well as well. You want those high temperature oils that, that if you're going to be throwing it on a grill, you want to make sure that it doesn't burn. So you get that nice sear on there, but you don't get that, that blackened part of it where you just kind of lose the flavor. So you want to make sure to use either olive oil or extra virgin olive oil or avocado. And it's only three tablespoons, but really what I do is just you splash it on there, right? You kind of just, you eyeball how much you want to put on there. So you put all your bone in a, in a tray, you kind of chop it up, you throw in your kosher salt, you throw in your ground pepper, you throw in your olive oil. I always add lemon and not lime juice in this case. I've, I've switched away from lime juice with a lot more acidic. I like lemon because it is a little bit sweeter on the sweeter side in terms of the acidic level. And I always, after I finish lemons, I like grating the lemon peel onto there and just adding the lemon zest on there on top of that adds a nice flavor as you're going to let it sit there six garlic cloves nice and smashed up tossed in there and then a little trick that i've i've learned from the mexican kitchen is you want to throw some oregano in there as well to let it sit and simmer okay so once you do that you let that mix up you put it in the fridge for about 30 minutes and let that sit there and marinate in that at this point once you take it out is where you can put your favorite rub on there. Um, and the one that I use is the red from Jess this last time I did it. So after you have all of this, the salt flavoring and what I'm adding on there is the red um, from Hardcore Carnivore. So 30 minutes, let it sit. Once it sits, then you take it off and then you go ahead and sprinkle on the rub and leave it there. Let it sit there, let it marinate well, and then put it right back in the fridge. Ideally, just like you do, you do 24 hours, however much time you have, um, but it's a minimum of 30 minutes. I usually do about an hour and a half minimum if I have to cook for people. If it's the day before, that's even better. For the tzatziki sauce, and I'll go slow through this, but tzatziki sauce is kind of like a traditional dipping sauce that you can use. And, and I like using this as a side. You don't actually put it on the, the meat, but you're going to take half a cup of Greek yogurt. Um, as much as we are healthy here, I don't allow myself to skim on the fat with this so i use whole fat uh greek yogurt half a cup half a cup of lemon juice again not lime juice lemon juice a third cup of cucumber just really finely chopped cucumber in there one garlic clove you want to mince that nice and small as well and then i always love dill and that's why i like tzatziki sauce you can get fresh dill if you don't have it just sprinkle in a, a tablespoon of, of dry works the same um, the fresh obviously tastes a lot better. Again, kosher salt, just a pinch to, to taste. Fresh ground paper again. And then I throw in a pinch of those red pepper flakes in there at the end just to add a little bit of kick, not too much depending on how much kick you like. But you put that, you mix it up, put that in the fridge. And once that's sitting in the fridge, then you go out to the grill. You start her up, right? You want to have it at least 250 is where the grill temperature, if you've got a good temperature gauge on there, you want to keep that thing closed until it hits 250, maybe 300, depending on how quickly you want to sear it. And for serving on this, and then I'll, I'll, I'll kind of get into it. So 165 is the internal temperature that you want to have on this chicken meat. So it is well cooked all the way through. You don't want to have salmonella. So 165 on it. But if you don't have a thermometer, I suggest you do get one. That was a big recommendation from Jess um, that the first thing you should get is a thermometer because a lot of times you talk, especially with chicken, that you can overcook pretty quickly and get dry. You want to make sure you hit that perfect temperature on that. I always get warm pita bread with that, some thinly sliced tomatoes, and then some chopped romaine to just have a salad on the side. So what you do is just have 
your pita bread, go ahead and grill those suckers. The skewers themselves, as you put them on there, here's a little tip if you're using wooden skewers, which a lot of people do. I use wooden skewers. Make sure to put those suckers in water for at least 15 minutes to soak up the water on, on the wood. So when you put them on the fire and you've got that fire really roaring, you don't want to burn those off because then they're going to be impossible to, to use after that. Usually the ends burn off and then you have burnt wood on the edge and just chicken. So make sure to soak those in there, put those in there. Once you're done, just take the, the chicken off of it, grab a pita, throw some of that chicken in there, throw some of that tzatziki sauce in there, get some Roma tomatoes or cherry tomatoes in there and some lettuce. And you've got some nice little pitas there with some uh, chicken skewers. There you go, buddy. Like it. I like it. That sounds good. Kebab rands. I'm going to be doing that all day. Good I know a different version. I'm that guy whenever a song comes on the radio and I start singing it, that I'm going to change it to be very dirty. Well, of course, you've got to change the lyrics. you got to unless, unless my kids are in the car and then it becomes either fart or he pooped himself, something like that. You know? And then they, you, you have to. I, you, my son asked me that the other day. He goes, how come you always tease me? And I said, you know why? I said, I like to, I like to watch you smile and I like to watch you laugh. I said, I tease you because I love you. And he goes, maybe you could love me a little less. <laughs> you know, one of the things in being a dad that I truly enjoy, and you just, you alluded to it. And I think that all good dads kind of got stuck in that infant poop stage and just never grew out of it. So everything yeah. poop and farts and piss, and yeah. it's always funny. Oh, it's always a home run. I aim to please, right? I play to my crowd. That's what I do. You said it. You came with me on that quote and you said instantly. And I said, I, I'm very good at reading the crowd. And most of my crowd, they like fart and poop jokes. That's just how it is. Yeah, I don't, if you don't, then you're not part of my crowd. You're not in the inner circle. You're not in the inner circle of trust. <laughs> well, buddy, I am a bachelor for a week. I have no kids, no wife. So we, we have a, a quiet absolutely silent house here i know and your internet has never been better no look there's no <laughs> popping out there's no issues whatsoever there's no devices so of the 23 devices that are usually connected i have two my phone yeah and my laptop and that's yeah it. and it's humming they are oh, humming like they've never hummed before i'm clicking I on know. stuff and it like instantly loads yeah. You're, you're like, why isn't it like this all the time? Oh, because this one's downloading this. This one's watching Netflix. The other one is FaceTiming someone else. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. And I love the, the suggestions that everybody's giving me, of course, of go to strippers, hookers, all of right? that. Yeah. And what I'm going to be doing is actually staying home. I've got a lot of work to do around the house because obviously, you know, on father's day, what you do is you drive to Ikea yeah. and you pick up a bed for one, a wardrobe yeah. for another, a desk yeah. for another, and they're going to have to come back because that's the way you do it. When nobody's home, it gives you time to actually kind of go over the house and fix things. When you're in your twenties, you're like, so you're going to go out and go to the club and do this and that. And it's like, listen, this never happens. So I am going to stay home. And if I get bored, too bad, <laughs> too bad, right? 
Oh yeah. Are you kidding? I, I would have every Western lined up. I would have smoked oysters and bacon uh, dipper uh, crackers all lined up down the fucking block. And I would, wa- I would do nothing, nothing. I would do nothing for, for the, for the whole week. Yeah. I got home from work about six 30 last night. I got the leftover food that we had from the restaurant when I took them to the airport. Right. So dropped them off at the airport and that's what I ate is I had a club sandwich that was left over. So I didn't have to cook or clean or do shit. Right. Like, so the kitchen is still spotless. There's nothing going on in there. Plopped myself on my bed and started my star Wars marathon. Cause that's what I'm going to do. Star Wars. Cause I finished watching Obi-Wan and the new episode came out today. So I had to get caught up on that, but yeah, dude, I'm just going to have the TV on in the background. As soon as I'm back home from work, I'm going to start cleaning up the kids' rooms and start putting stuff in there. But this weekend is going to be special for two reasons. So the first thing is that I'm officially, now that I have no wife staring me down, going to do another combine, like my official home combine, because I have not been able to. Okay. Okay. I recorded videos two months ago, and my wife said, if you fucking release that, I'm going to kill you. So I had to listen to the wife. But now that she's not here, I'm going to do it. Nothing to listen to. Yeah, there's nothing to listen to, (laughs) even though she's got ring cameras all over the place, including one in the living room, so she can see everything I do 24 hours a day. It's great. I love it. But that's what I'm going to do, man. I'm just going to be drinking. You should just you should just have people constantly just random strangers. Can you just walk through my house just right past this camera and then just out the back door? If you could do that for me, just a monkey with her. That's what I do. Well, it's about that time, Wednesday episode. Don't forget Mailbag Mondays. If you have any questions for us, send us to um, uh, Packers Without Borders at Outlook.com. That's all one word, Packers Without Borders at Outlook.com, or you can DM us at Borders Packers on Twitter. We will get your questions on the show and answer them right away. Wednesday, episode 126, in the books. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes and or on Spotify. Spotify, the five stars, but going in there, look guys, you guys have been wonderful. You guys have been great. We're starting to get into that in season mode. We're only 81 days away from NFL football. So go in there, keep us alive and happy. Leave us a review, give us some money, do what you need to do, but we love you guys. Love you. Peace. Go back. Go. This has been Packers Without Borders. Try and be kind to one another. Try and love each other. And go Pack Go! Esto ha sido Empacadores Sin Fronteras. No se les olvide cuidarnos unos a los otros. Hasta luego.